Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. Today. So it is, as Jaina spoke, it is it's true. We've been talking about uh, the Johannian literature that is everything written by John, the five books, uh, the Gospel of John. We got first, second, and third John, and then we also have the book of Revelation. I'm really excited about us as a church diving into them. Um, however, being Missions Month, we're going to be touching on John a little bit, but I'm going to be talking a little bit more broader about missions this morning. And I wanted to first start off by, there was a, a global missions expert. His name was uh, Paul Borthwick. And uh, he told this story at a, at a conference. And he, and he said there was this young man named Peter. And he said he, he went to uh, the McDonald's at Cambridge, Massachusetts. And he said, I noticed Peter was at the counter. And he was absolutely shocked to see him there working at a McDonald's. Shocked. This man had been uh, part of their uh, young adult ministry. He was involved in the church. And he said, what are you doing? You are a Harvard master's degree graduate. What are you doing? This doesn't seem right. And he was able to kind of get him out from behind the counter. And, uh, and Peter said to him, he said, you know, um, I've been applying for jobs. It just really hasn't working, but I needed some cash. And so he started to work. And, uh, and so this, this um, ministry man looks at him and goes, I'm so sorry, this must be so hard for you. And he, he said that Peter cut him off, and he said, no, don't be sorry. He said, God has me here. He said, this place has given me awesome opportunities to share my faith. He said, I'm on a shift that includes a Buddhist guy, a guy from Sirranka, um, a Muslim from Lebanon, a Hindu lady from India, and he goes, and I have a fellow Christian from El Salvador. He said, it is so awesome. I am a global missionary and a coworker right here. And I think that that right there gives us an idea of missions because we so often, especially being Americans, it's the idea that we work, hopefully we have time to play, we then give money to missions, the professionals. We do our good. And then we are now sending the professionals out to do the work of the Lord. And, you know, I think that we so many times lose the idea and the fact that where we are, God has used us, he has plans, he has purposes with our gifts, with our talents and abilities, and he's put people in your pathway that people have been praying for and reaching out to for years, but for whatever reason, they're in your pathway and you may be able to affect their eternity for the rest of their lives. When a church accepts, when a church prioritizes and realizes that we, like our missionaries, are part of that mission, not only does it advance the kingdom of God, but it also connects us with the commandment of Jesus, which is, therefore, Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. That's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We have the privilege here, with, as Jana was saying, with our missionaries, 
to support local ministries like Cross, which does an amazing job. And many of you have already been toured it like we have. You've, you've helped um, local things that are going on. Uh, we've got Chi Alpha that are in our local universities. Some of them are going to be here next week, some of the uh, missionaries that are here locally. We have Life Center in Minneapolis that used to be ICCM. We support them as well. They've come and, and shared here. Uh, we partner with Steve Donaldson, who was here. He was one of the founders of Convoy of Hope and is now in rural churches, and he's one of my favorite people to follow on Facebook. If you, if you don't follow him on Facebook, you should. Steve Donaldson. And everything he does, and it's just the most hilarious pictures that he sends, and then he says, go local, go rural. Encouraging pastors to go into these rural cities and the impact that it can have on entire cities. We have uh, support missionaries in the Middle East and in Thailand and Costa Rica, Moldova, Asia, Swaziland, Lebanon, and Estonia. In church, you, we make this possible. This is a possibility not because of one, but because of many. So how does somebody become a missionary? And so I'm going to try and demystify this a little bit. And I, I think that so many of us, we, we kind of create some idea of what it means to be, a, to be a missionary and to go. And so one, there was a, a moment where maybe it was in a personal time of prayer. Maybe somebody went up and said something to them. Maybe they were at like a Bible camp. And, and somebody asked a question and said, do you feel like you're called to missions? And maybe it was just a young hand full of faith said, I, I'm feeling that. I'm feeling that right now. Now, there are times that many people have done this. My, my grandma, who's my, my last uh, living grandparent, and over Christmas when I got to visit her in the nursing home, she said, you know that I went to North Central for a year and I wanted to be a missionary, right? And she retold me this story of her having this, this call to go, but for whatever reason, it didn't, it didn't happen. But she still had that feeling and, and that tug of maybe, just maybe. And number two, there are sending organizations that have great needs, and people hear it, and they see it, and they say, oh, if nobody else is going to do it, maybe I'll do it. Is that a calling? Is that a calling? Well, you know, when you look at Luke 10, 2, Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into his harvest field. We, we got to send missionaries to India this summer. How amazing is that? We got to partner with Ivan Powers and their ministry, and he came and shared and really just really stirred our hearts here. It was powerful. We got to be a part of that. But there is a great need. There is a great need. So I'm just going to stop what we're doing right now, and the Lord told us that we're supposed to pray this. So let's pray it. Thank you. Amen. Amen. I think that, that amen is us agreeing. Yes. Agreeing with your prayer. Thank you. That was encouraging. Well, okay, not for you, just me. Oh, the Lord of the harvest, may he send people. The New Testament, Paul directs Timothy in 1 Timothy. He says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to Ephesus, and Ephesus has some problems, 
Okay, there are these people that are going out and they are, they are teaching false doctrines to the Christians. And so Paul says, Timothy, get your butt out there and I want you to shut those people up. Okay, it doesn't say it like that. But that's really what he told them to do. So Timothy wasn't sitting there going, Lord, where do you have me to go? There was a great need. Paul looked at Timothy and realized that he was a faithful follower and that he would do good work, and he sent him to go. And that's in many cases what happens. There is a great need, and whether it's a sending agency like the Assemblies of God or, or some other, they say, we have a great need here, will you go? And then we have somebody saying, yes, I will go, send me. And then, many times, as, as we as Christians, now this isn't just missionaries, this is, this is all of us, as we are uh, working and listening and praying and wanting to hear the voice of the Lord, there are times where the Lord is stirring something in our heart, and maybe some of you have experienced it where you feel like there's a change coming. A lot of times, like somebody I can tell when, when there's a job change, and I've heard this so many times where you just felt like something was about to happen. And then along the way, there was some kind of confirmation that happened. And so I just, what a, it was just so fun to hear this. So my wife, um, she is a, um, she's very artistic, and she's also a, a choreographer. So um, the Lord's opened up doors in, in different high schools and middle schools with plays and things where she gets to connect with students all over. Um, she's been connected with uh, Crown University and Bethel with some of their programs Northwestern, sorry, Northwestern. And, um, and recently she's been helping at North Central University. And so she's helping and choreographing the play, which play, what's the name of it? Susical, okay, Susical. And, and so she's helping and she's getting to meet these students and she looked at this kid and she said, what's your major? And he goes, well, I'm a, I'm a theater major. And she goes, no, you're not, you're a pastor. And she came home, told me this, I'm like, Jaina, Jane, how did he respond? And, and she said he, he really started just to share his heart. And so she just kept calling him pastor. Oh, no, 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 you're, you're a pastor. Well, this week, all of a sudden he comes and he goes, well, I spoke with Pastor Doug Graham. And some of you know Doug Graham because he was just here. And he, he's a part of the spiritual life formation part of the students at North Central. And he told them that, he didn't think being a pastor was a reality for him, but it's always been a heart dream. And here, this crazy woman looks at him and says, what do you mean? You're a pastor. Why are you even faking it? That was confirmation for this young man. He changed his major last week. <laughs> Jane is like, I hope that <laughs> it was the Lord. But, but honestly, think, think of this. This is how the Lord works. His mysteries are, are just, they're, they're unfathomable in the way that he does it. There's no way that she knew that God had already been stirring and working in his heart. But this is exactly how the Holy Spirit works. And she gets to celebrate in the fact that she was a part of it and she didn't even know God was using her. There was no holy moment where she started shaking and being weird. Well. <laughs> Man, it says that God knows the desires of our heart. Man. 
And, and if, if that wasn't revealed to that kid at that moment, I don't know what will. On our missions wall, you'll see uh, that we support Nick and Olivia Puccini. They're missionaries to Estonia. They have done excellent work. And uh, we, we've known them. We were at the same church for, for a time. And um, they recently were promoted by the Assemblies of God. Although they are still senior pastors of an excellent church in uh, Tallinn, Estonia, they've now been made directors over their whole Baltic region. Now, he, they weren't feeling like, oh, the Lord's telling them and they're called to this. No, a sending agency said there's a great need and we think you are the right people to do it. When it comes to missions, when it comes to ways for us to be able to further the gospel of Jesus Christ, and maybe it is through making a sandwich for somebody, but that's not our, our only understanding. Our understanding is that we are able to show and reveal the love of Jesus Christ. And just, just like them, that doesn't mean that missions is a magical moment for everybody. It is somebody who is being obedient, just as we are to be obedient in our circumstances. Churches like us and people like you. That's who makes missions happen. Churches like us, people like you. At some point, these missionaries felt called to the ministry, and they went with it. And they went with it. And so next week, I really want to encourage you, come early. We're going to have missionaries out here. And it is so important for you just to walk around, see what they're doing. And, and like Jana said, we're not supporting every one of them because a lot of the ones we're supporting are currently out and about. They're already out. Um, and so there are people that are raising support to go. And we just get to hear their stories and be a part of it. And you get free lunch afterwards and just get to hear a little bit more from our missionaries. So I want to encourage you to come. And next week, uh, these faith promise cards, I want you to start praying over them. Praying, if you need to talk to a spouse or whoever, and just say, what, what can we give this year? So we can see an increase. So we can start giving more and, and sending more people. Now, just, just as a story how, how the Lord uses what you do and in your own personal strengths, uh, my friend Bill Tibbetts at North Central, he's, a, he's one of the business professors there. And through his time there, he has groups of people, and there are other people from that department that... They go to Uganda, and they help people in small villages, and they train them on how to, with the resources they have and what they have, how to make money. And they do it under the idea that they are messengers of Christ Jesus. This is their strengths. This is where they were trained. This is what they know, and they use it for the Lord. My aunt and uncle, they were farmers in North Dakota, they uh, sold everything, they rented the land, and they began to become missionaries. First they went to Costa Rica, and then they traveled with Convoy of Hope and started something called Seeds of Hope, where they started going to um, different countries, helping teen challenges be self-sufficient by teaching them how to plant and be self-sufficient for if the American churches aren't able to financially support them. Who better to send than farmers? The gifts and talents that the Lord had trained them with in their early years and in their mid-40s where they just take a leap of faith where everybody in North Dakota that was around them thought they were the craziest people on the planet. And they were obedient to the call that Christ had put on them. God used what they were trained in. What are you trained in? What can you do? What is God stirring your heart to do? The Apostle Paul received money from the early church 
to help further the gospel in other cities. And in times when there was famine, the other churches rallied around, gave them money to go bring to those churches where there was famine. Now this is, as a pastor, remember, I'm, I'm going to be a hypocrite here, this is one of my favorite stories. Romans chapter 16. Now, <clears throat> individually, it's not my favorite, but as a pastor, it's one of my favorite. Now, you're just going to have to forgive me. What Paul uh, did here was terrible to us Americans, okay? Um, because these names are impossible to read correctly. So I am, I am so sorry. I'm going to do my best, and you can just snicker at me, okay? Paul says, now this is the last chapter in the book of Romans, and he, he finishes, and, and I, I've heard pastors and people say for years, I will not preach the book of Romans. It scares me, which makes me want to preach it really, really badly, but I have other things to do first. But he says, I commend you, our sister Phoebe, Phoebe, you want to go with Phoebe? Really? Okay, Phoebe. A deacon of the church in Centria. Is that okay? <laughs> I ask you to receive her in the Lord and the worthy of his people and to give her and help uh, she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Phoebe is a wealthy woman. And she has been helping the gospel of Jesus Christ go forth. And he, and he is finishing this letter by a very long thank you list. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches, the Gentiles, are grateful to them. Five, greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend, oh man, Apentis. I'll just go with it. Who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia? Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews, who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Amphilitus, my dear friend in the Lord. I bet you most pastors don't read this either, do they? Yeah, they avoid this. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ and dear friend. What? Stakies? Stakies? Oh, man. Okay, these Greek names are hard, okay? Okay. These are the local people, the church. He is listing off people who are serving in the local church. This is what, as a pastor, what makes me excited. As an individual, I kind of read through this, and like, blah, blah, blah. But as a pastor, my heart leaps because I start thinking of people in our church. If I were, if I were writing a letter to our church, oh, and, and would you thank them because what they did and what they did over here. Oh, and thank them too because look at what they did. This, this is such an exciting thing. And then one of my favorite things, and this is really favorite to me because I can read his name, greet Rufus in verse 13. Chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. How many women have stepped in that place of mother to somebody who didn't have a mother around? That, this, is, this is such a powerful way to end the book of Romans. 
we see a picture of a church that this wasn't just Paul, and we can look at the intelligence of Paul, and some say that he is one of the most brilliant people that have ever written. It, it is, he, he is outstanding. His mind is outstanding. And here he is looking at the people that have been a part of the body of Christ helping and making the word go forth. And when I think of missions, when I think of what we're doing here at Life Assembly, this is what it is. That, that we are Romans 16, that we are able to look at each person that is a part of the whole and to make things move forward as the body of Christ. It is powerful. It is powerful. Now, we get to verse 16, and it says, Greet one another with a holy kiss. And I've chosen just to ignore that verse so we can do fist bumps here, okay? <laughs> Jana said it's the teenager's favorite verse, so just so you know. In John 1, we see, and through the Synoptic Gospels as well, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we look at the calling, and this is how we're going to end today, is looking at the simplicity of how the disciples were called. So two disciples started following Jesus after John the Baptist baptized him. And it says the Spirit of the Lord descended on him like a dove. And that's when John knew that this was the Messiah. And at a different time he goes, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes the sin of the world. So all these people that were following John the Baptist, they now hear their leader, the one that is this prophet in, in Israel, pointing and saying, that is actually the guy. So two disciples just leave John, and now they're just tagging along with Jesus, and Jesus looks at them and goes, what are you doing? Like, I don't know. We're following you now. That, that's how it started. They just started chasing him. James and John were on a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee and said, hey, come on. And they left. And they followed Jesus. There was a disciple named Andrew. He went and found his brother Simon. And he told him, he said, I found the Messiah. And he brought Simon to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and goes, you know what? We're going to change your name. Your name is going to be Cephas, which means rock, which we say his name is Peter. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Somebody recognized who Jesus was, and they told somebody, and that person then came. That's evangelism. We, we say, I found something. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large group of people were following him. And all of a sudden, he sees this guy sitting behind a table, and he was a tax collector, somebody that is despised by society. His name was Levi, and he said, come follow me. People were angry. Why on earth would you have a sinner like that? And he, of course, his name is Matthew. In verse 46, it says, Jesus found Philip. I love that. And in turn, Philip found Nathanael. And in turn, Jesus saw Nathanael as Philip was bringing him to him and said, you know, I saw you underneath that tree. I saw him as Philip was approaching you. And as he starts telling him what, what, what he saw, Nathaniel goes, oh my goodness, you're God. Oh my goodness, you, you're, you're the one. You're, you're the one we've been searching for. 
I think there is a simple message here that we need to share Jesus with people. I mean, look at this. There wasn't, there wasn't this big holy calling where all of a sudden he, where Jesus went out and said, okay, you're glowing, you're glowing, you're glowing. You did enough, you know, things that were holy. I mean, these were working people. These were people in some cases that were not living the way that they should. They were rough. We know that. If you know about Peter, he was, he was a, a boat-working, filthy-mouthed man who got angry easily. And he was transformed. And that's why when the leaders started quizzing the disciples, they said, these people are uneducated, but they've been with Jesus. And this can be said about us as well. Now, I, I hope this is okay for a way for us to launch into missions because I, my heart behind this is that we start to remember of what we are called to do. Mission, missionary. They have a mission, and so do we. The missionary is on mission, and so are we. Next week, I want you to come. I want you to prepare your hearts to be able to meet people. Um, I know some of you introverts, you really need to prepare yourself ahead of time, so now this is enough heads up for you to, to do that. And we're going to sit around tables, and we're going to talk and hear their stories, and they're going to go up maybe for five minutes each and just share what they're doing in their particular ministry. I want you to thank them. I want you to encourage them. I want you to hear what they're doing and say, what, what can I do? What can I do? Um, what, can I pick on you for just a second? So for how long have you been putting crosses on the back of the semis? Four years. Um, Matthew and I have been talking about, he, he drives semis and, and he's been um, you know, doing it for quite a long time. And he started in the back of the semi, started putting symbols of crosses. Did you do it in the fronts as well? Just the back, the, the back part of it. And he started telling me that like somebody caught him doing it once and said, so you're the one that's been putting crosses on the backs of our semis. And he looked at him and he said, well, I want us to drive safe. I want us to all come home. I want us to be able to uh, come home to our families and do the best that we can. I want God to be over us. And he has started to just have these conversations with coworkers. And you've been praying with some of them too, haven't you? It's something as simple as putting your finger in the dust in the back of a semi I think that we can start doing things and seeing what the Lord's going to do. Amen? Would you please stand? Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of your son, Jesus. And Lord, we celebrate. We celebrate your presence. We celebrate the fact that, that we can enter your gates with thanksgiving, with praise, with celebration. Lord, um, there are things that we don't know what are happening this week, but you certainly do as you go before us. And Lord, we just ask that you pave the way for us. We pray that you walk with us, Lord. And um, I just ask for your just spirit and your anointing to be upon your people. And Lord, I pray that you open up the mission of who you are, the church, and what we can do in our lives. In your holy name we pray. And the church said, amen and amen.
You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.